the core cast. I'm recording now. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast of the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is a family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that likes to rock to earth, wind, and tear a flame. Do you remember the shmup we played in September? <laughs> I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me as always, we have... Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you would like to connect with the podcast, you can do so in a number of ways. Follow us on Twitter slash X at ShootCoreCast. You can follow me directly at GameBoyGuru. You can find all the links to various podcast feeds and resources on our Linktree page. That is linktr.ee slash ShootTheCoreCast. Uh, make sure you join our Discord server, which is linked in uh the linktree page and also on the twitter uh, page so that you can join us for a playthrough and talk shmups with us and then also uh follow and then also follow me on twitch because i do stream the game of the month several times throughout each month that is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy yeah, and if you haven't already, take a look at rfgeneration.com and catalog your collection. This time of year can get a little hard to remember everything that you have in your collection. I think at this point I've bought COD and Reboot at least 16 times, maybe 17 soon, but it's the, the amount of Willow collecting games I own is, it seems to be ever-increasing. Yeah, I, I probably have... Um I probably have at least eight copies of the uh, five-screw variant of Xanak by now, so you definitely want to make sure that you that you catalog your games. Uh, for those of us who are still big nerds and have to have the physical collection, it's a great way to do so. Wow, five copies of... Uh, how many copies of Xanak? At least six. Wow, you've upped your medication since the last time I talked to you. Well, you know... It is uh, it is physician approved. I see. Yeah, my doctor just told me to take two text maxim and call him in the morning. There you go. All right. So let's move on to the question of the month. What's a shooter that you were excited about, and after you played it, the game left you unfulfilled? B Beast will start us off with this is a bit cheesy, and I've said it before, but my answer is Sterndin. I liked the game, but felt like there were some elements that I would have liked it to have done differently. So I made my own roguelite shmup as an answer to that. Yes, and I what like it. a roguelite shmup it is. Yeah, is didn't that get a, a really? I'm trying to think. They kind of update recently, didn't it? Steradin? No, 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 no. Here, uh, BB. Oh, shmup. yes, Operation Steel. Yeah, didn't they get an update recently? Or my. This whole year is starting to blur now. Yeah, I want to say that he has uh, done some tweaking on it. 
Okay. Yeah, was, that's one of the games that I wanted to come back to and play some more out of. For sure, yeah. Pony Trigon says, I'm going to have to bite the bullet here. Going to be real honest. R-Type Final 2. I got really bored and frustrated with it eventually and played the older R-Types instead. Yeah, something tells me this is going to be a common theme here, but... It, <laughs> I, I swear, our type final is sort of like the, this running joke. Now, if it keeps on any longer, it's going to become Duke Nukem forever. Because <laughs> we have our type final, our type final two, our type final the final, and now our type final three. Yeah. Well, just wait until we get our type final finalist, the most mostest finalist. Our type final returns. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Duke Togo says Cinemora was interested to see what Grasshopper Manufacturer would put together but never really hit for me yeah that was one of the ones that I would say would be in, my, in the same boat too I tried a lot of it and it just wasn't what I really was thinking it was it's different enough that you sort of want to come back to it but it, at the same time it's so different that it just doesn't quite feel right. It's sort of like it, it, it's like trying to drive a car, but you know you're driving like a car like they do in, in Europe, or uh, your steering wheel is on the opposite side. You know, your steering wheel is on the right side, and you're driving on the opposite side. It, and it's you're like, okay, I can see where this could go, but it just feels weird. Yeah, that's the closest explanation I come to Cinemera and see or start Cinemora. Th this is one that I haven't played yet. And I know that people like to rag on it, but I am genuinely curious, and I do think I want to cover this at some point. Um, you know, it's so interesting because as shmup connoisseurs, we tend to um, reach a point, I guess, where maybe you turn your nose up at something that doesn't doesn't. Um, follow enough conventions of the genre or tries to color outside the lines a little bit too much. Um, but this game has sold really well and has been relatively popular among casual fans. Um, so uh, I'm still genuinely curious about it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it in the bad category. It's just different. And, and it's different in a lot of ways <laughs> that people would sort of feel weird about it like if you were to make a shmup where you're flying backwards all the time people might go that's interesting but it's weird and i, I prefer flying forward right now somebody needs to make that game <laughs> uh i'm sure that data east probably made sorry i'm, I'm sure that data east probably already made it years ago and now it's a arcade only hidden gem oh there you go Heinerhan says, that's a tricky question because usually what got me invested and hyped for a shooting game is how good they feel on the gameplay. Which is probably to say why the genre works so well in the arcades, where you can just try it out quickly for yourself while it struggles on console or PC. The kind of games that get you hyped the more you play, so I can't think of anything really while I could give multiple examples if the question was inverted. But wait, actually... Super Zykes is my answer. I responded in Discord and I was like, ooh, hot take. 
but I, I get it. You know, not everybody, yeah. not every game is going to, is going to land for every player. Um, it all comes down to how the game connects with you or doesn't connect with you and whether or not the mechanics work um, for your play style and all of that. I mean, you know, Duke Togo has said multiple times on on my streams and stuff that he enjoys watching me play Danmaku games, but he will not play them because he says they're way too busy for him and there's just too much going on for him to parse the screen. Um, by the same token, I know there are Danmaku players who will not go back to old school shmups because they feel they're too slow or uh, they just don't like the way they play. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I like them both. And so, yeah, it all comes down to preference. Yeah, definitely. Altex says, Freedom Finger. I should have known it's way too gimmicky for me, but it looks so fun I just had to try it. Yeah, Freedom Finger is the one I'm sort of curious about, but not in sort of the way, like, uh, I have to try it. I'm just more interested because it looks like the South Park of the shooter genre, <laughs> right? It, it, it goes for shock value first and, and stuff to get your attention, and then the gameplay takes a second seat. Yeah, it sort of has a Kasoge but fun kind of vibe to it. Uh, Skult711 says Super Galaxy Squadron. I haven't played this one. I haven't. Uh, no, either have I. But based upon his response, I'm not in any hurry. Yeah. Uh, Shmup says the hobby says Refrain Prism Memories. Come to realize that the high scoring is reliant on one crazily intricate technique that only one of the ships can do well, and you don't get to destroy the last boss. That doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah, it's interesting because I know that uh, Dingo, who's uh, on our Discord and has joined us for several uh, games of the month over the years, this was the game, this uh, Refrain Prison Memories was the game that got him into the genre, and it's. I think his favorite shmup still. So, um, yeah, again, it's interesting how a game will hit for some, some people, but not for others. STG shmups says a recent one, Eurokill. Yeah, that was that uh, visual novel and shmup combo. Yeah. yeah, I haven't tried that one, but uh, I, that one is the one I saw drop like a rock around Christmas time. That one went to like $10 for a while. Right. Maybe for a good reason. All right. Uh, DJ Triss says, R-Type Final 2. Well, I, I, something tells me this is not the last time we'll see R-Type Final 2. Yep. And uh, C. Garretz, uh agrees with Duke Togo and said, Cinemora. Uh, those, the, uh, those are probably the picks that I would expect to hear the most. Right. Rudon Sprite says, I don't want to say... But I do want to say, I feel bad though. Well, twisted my arm, I guess. I was looking forward to Sterndin, but when I played, I felt like I was tickling the enemies to death. Oh, I got Captain Feather Sword attack. <laughs> a lot of people like that game so much, it's probably just me. You know, I have seen this one come up over and over, and I've seen some people. Yeah, it's very polarizing. Some people love it, and some people say this thing's terrible. I may have to try it when the there's a eShop bundle on the Switch where it comes bundled in and sometimes it drops down to like $4. Oh, sure. 
It's it's a three pack. I may have to try it from there. I know. That way I don't feel too guilty if I don't like it. I know Etrem has streamed it a few times and um, seemed to enjoy it, but yeah. I sort of combined two tweets here because Rudon Sprites originally said, I don't want to say, but I do want to say. <laughs> and then I I posted, a, I, I, I tweeted back with a gif of, uh, or a gif of um, Chunk from uh, the Goonies saying, come on, when he's standing outside the gate waiting to get in. <laughs> and, uh, and so Rudon Sprites tweeted back and was like, all right, you twisted my arm. <laughs> uh, speaking of Etrem, uh, he says the ultimate in controversy, or so it seems, Hyper Duel. So much reverence for such a straightforward game. Technosoft did much better with both the incredible Thunder Force 5 and the subtly nuanced Blast Wind. Yeah, yeah Etrem uh, has know, been uh, trumpeting this for a while, particularly after having saved and spent so much money to buy a copy of Hyperduel to review for Bullet Heaven, only to discover, eh, I, did, I don't like it that well. It's fine, but, you know, it, it wasn't all that it's cracked up to be. See, here, here's the thing where it can become a little difficult. You know, is, is it a good game? Yes. Is it $450 good game? Probably not. Right. And, and that's why, why if you can s separate price point, then you'd say, yeah, it's pretty good. But if you go and spending 450 bucks, I think better slice, dice, make julienne fries and everything else. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a game that I probably would have been happy to pay 50 or $60 for as a new release if it had come to North America um, and if I had owned a Saturn during the, you know, relevant period of its life. But yeah, I, I, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. I mean, I ended up buying Burning Rangers and I bought, I paid a lot of money for a U.S. copy of Burning Rangers, not anywhere near it was now, but it was it was still elite, it was still over a couple hundred dollars and it was it, that game has a special meaning to me because I played it when it was new and really liked it so it's sort of a nostalgia kick but if you're asking someone to pay eight hundred dollars for a copy of Burning Rangers today I'd say you're crazy right more like burning money exactly uh, Synthetron Prime says I'm gonna go with Thunder Force Six and R Type Final Two. Not bad, but not as good as expected. Yeah, Thunder Force 6 is one of the ones that I, I, I played just a very, very small amount of it. But I keep hearing people talk about it as it's just sort of the the last one that you want to play, right? And you want to play 4, maybe fall by 3, and then you want to go into 5. Right. That's typically the order that I hear for that series. It... You know, it, it and six is mentioned as sort of like, oh yeah, it's there. It it just sort of midline there, and I I think it I think it's expensive now. I mean, anything with its old and as older and as shmup as there, it's not quite a bar levels, but it, you're going to be spending like between a hundred and a hundred fifty for it, which is maybe a little bit more than it should go for. You know, it, maybe more like the sixty to hundred if, if that. It is twenty years old, right? Yeah, I know Etrem likes it um, and thinks it's a little underrated, but I, I guess 
the majority opinion that I've heard online is that it's too easy compared to the previous games. Uh, and it just is sort of bland and feels like a remix or rehash of a lot of older Thunder Force elements, bosses, areas, music, etc. So it feels more like a pastiche or an homage to the series rather than a proper new game. You sound like you're describing R-Type Final too, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, if the shoe fits. <laughs> it, it, or if the uh, if the Force Pod fits, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, so w- what is your pick for this? Well, as you know, I tend to... Um, I tend to try to make these questions fit based on the game of the month. But rather than... Uh, you know, spoiling everything right now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with the R-Type Final Two example. I backed this game on Kickstarter. Um, I got it for the Switch, and then by the time I got my my Kickstarter copy in the mail, there were already early reports that the performance on the Switch was very poor and that it was not great. So I decided, well, just to hedge my bets, I'm going to buy the PS4 version. So I pre-ordered that from NIS America and got the PS4 version in. And then I played it and I was just underwhelmed. It's not a bad game necessarily. But as we mentioned in the R-Type Final episode, you know, R-Type Final, despite its flaws, has personality and it's got some interesting locations, some cool set pieces, and it has atmosphere. R-Type Final 2 doesn't really have much of that. It's a very pretty game, but I feel like it's a it's an STG with no soul. Yeah, I, I think most people just sort of had their expectations dashed at the Stage 2 boss. Yeah, I mean... You know, you fight two floating boxes that drop seeds. It's it's kind of lame. Um, you know, I, and it it feels like the game doesn't pick up until much later. Once you once you split off into the the air, other areas later in the game, uh, based on the color orb or whatever that you pick up, it gets more interesting. The levels are more interesting. The the locations are are cooler and the final boss battles are kind of neat but it feels like it takes forever to get there and it's it's almost worse than front loading your your game with the best level in stage 1 and then everything else is kind of just there um you don't want to you don't want to have the you don't want to have the best content at the end of the game without at least having something that's worth playing a bunch of times in order to get there. Yeah, I swear that there was some unwritten laws. Like, oh, we're building an R-Type game. One of the first bosses has to be the uh, that big alien with the, with the chest burster in it. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. When it comes to R-Type Final 2... 
I'd say that I, I echo those statements. I originally played on the PC with the GOG version, so I got to skip a lot of the pain and suffering. You know, the uh, Switch version, after I watched, watched Mark MSX do a playthrough of it, it felt like I was doing one of those old Time Life orders. You know, it's the ones I always say, please wait sit four to six, eight, uh, four to six weeks for delivery. That's how long it felt. Huh. Yes, that's how long it felt. Please wait four to I six felt weeks like you for load get times. Up, you know, make yourself some breakfast, sit back down, slip a cup of coffee, and then finally loaded. Yeah, that's that's just not acceptable for a commercial release, particularly from a game that is one of the foundational. Um, I would say second wave games in the genre. Um, at least in terms of scrolling shmups. Yeah, well, hey, it could be worse, right? It could have been like the Famicom Disk System. Please flip over your Switch cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Loading from side B. Yeah. Oh, geez, I'm probably give him ideas for the Switch, too. Yeah. yeah. Someone's going to post a meme now of... Uh, the, those are the hobbits on there. Well, we have first switch cartridge. What about second cartridge? <laughs> oh, nice. All right. So I'm going with something that I had to try recently. And no, it's not Terraflame. I have something different there. For me, it has to be Ninth Sentinel Sisters. Hmm. Try saying that fast. Ninth Sentinel Sisters on Steam. It's the 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 game was I was expecting Geometry Wars or something like fast paced twin stick shooter like cool and you can upgrade your ship and do some stuff with it and what I got was a twin stick shooter that was extremely slow and by slow I mean that a snail moves faster than the ship I asked you if it was just me you tried it out and I would say that your impressions were probably the same as mine. Yeah, Ninth Sentinel Slowpoke. Indeed, that that just, oh, you know, even though it's five dollars and it's an early access game, I, I believe it that they could fix this. But as it stands right now, it was just as what. Maybe if it wasn't because Livewire was trying so hard to revive the genre and drum, drum up interest. It just fell flat. I came with expectations of, yes, this is gonna, it may not be perfect, but this is going to be something that's going to be a lot of fun. It looks fast-paced. And ended up, you know, uh, uh, with a Winnebago stuck in the mug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very underwhelming. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation. Um not a ton of responses, but some some good ones here. So thank you for uh, thank you for jumping in with those. Uh, now let's move on to our focus shot discussion on gun vein. Um, right up front, uh, <clears throat> this could have gone in the news section, but since we're talking about this game specifically, I want to make sure and mention that as we record this, physical pre-orders are going to be up. I think starting tomorrow. So we are recording this on the 13th. Um, they should be up on the 14th. And so um, make sure you check the NG Dev team store and uh, try and secure yourself a copy because, um, yeah, 
It's, uh, it's yeah, be awesome. if it goes anything like the last time, it's going to crash 16 times while everyone tries to secure a copy, and then it's going <laughs> to. They'll do 16 reprints five years later. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that this is one that sells through and then gets more than one reprint like Razion EX has, because I would really like to see. Uh, I would really like to see this game take off. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it says it opens up at the uh, 14th of October uh, 2100 CEST, which I'm not quite certain what CEST is. Is that Germany? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. But um, I have been working on this game lately and I've been focusing almost exclusively on type B or type C excuse me um, to try and get an intense mode clear and I'm close um, <clears throat> I'm still making more mistakes in kind of the early to mid game than I would like but I had a run earlier this evening where I got to stage five, got through stage five, took a couple of lame deaths, um, one during the stage five boss, but I reached the TLB and I actually got the TLB down to about one fourth health. Had I not panic bombed early on in that fight and just dodged uh, stuff, I, it's possible that I could have cleared. And that's that's happened a couple of three times now in the last couple weeks. So I feel like I'm close to getting my clear. And then once I do that, I'm probably going to move on to... Um, I'll probably move on to type B uh, on intense to see... Because that's going to force me to play very differently since the type B ship is the slowest. And... That'll be an interesting transition. And then I also think I'm going to probably put a bit more time into the roguelite arrange mode. Uh, I mess with that and that's kind of, that's kind of bananas um, because you would get thrown into a random stage um, background and then an assortment of enemies that are going to be different from what you expect uh, based on that stage background. So you really have to just sort of handle things on the fly and it um, to to borrow the phrase from Octane at, at that point it becomes all honest dodging <laughs> have you messed with the roguelite arrange mode much? no I am honestly from what I've been playing of it I still get my butt kick but i'm playing on on the hardest difficulty because i'm a masochist to the you know i'm the person who plays gradius 3 you know it gets destroyed in the first first level of the arcade version with the boss and says this is fine <laughs> all right i think no i i, I, oh, I have no when it comes to gun bay, i've been playing it off and on but trying to find time to game in general has been really difficult with all the Adult stuff that has to go married. Adulting is the worst game ever. One out of ten stars. Would not recommend. So, <laughs> uh, just, well, especially with this this time of year, too, where everybody's got the year-end stuff on there. 
before and it'll be Christmas and we'll be talking about our December game Deep Space Waifu and it's just going to be busy. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, uh, um, CEST is Central European Standard Time. So what that basically means is 9 p.m. CEST is equal to about 2 to 2.30 Central Daylight Time. So that, that, that should get people a pretty good time time area, right? It makes sure that almost everyone can grab, at least try to grab a copy. Yeah, that, that should be good. Yeah, and I also, I think once I get my my type C clear, then what I might do is split my focus a little bit and um, play on PC with type B on intense. And then I'll go back to trying to put a bit more time into the switch version on the handheld mode um, with the flip grip to see if I can finally eke out uh, a clear or two on that. Sounds like a solid plan. I was going to mention, too, I I want to say... Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Really quickly, I want to add something, and I'm reading this from the directly from their website. As this is a pre-order, we aren't allowed to accept PayPal. Only credit card and Klarna payments are possible. PayPal purchases will be possible in January 2024. Oh. This is only a small initial print run of a thousand units, but the game will be made available again in January 2024 in a larger capacity as an in-stock order that can be sold via PayPal. Huh. So kudos to them, they learned. Yeah. Yeah, Corkman, uh, I think, has been playing this some and uh, was saying that he has been using Type-C like me. And um, he said, wow, the enemies on intense difficulties take many more hits than they did on mild. Going to have to survive through the patterns for longer. And then uh, I kind of like how ship C plays. It's interesting. I had a decent run with it, but my B ship runs were still better. I'll give both some more runs until I find my preferred ship. So Yeah, type C, type C has the ability to make your own bomba. Right, yeah. it allows you to make that big wrecking ball. So as soon as you got enough charge, you're either for throwing that thing forward, or you are putting it in place. It really varies up the gameplay, and it, honestly, is I was surprised that someone hadn't thought of that sooner. Right. So anyway, hopefully you find a groove with one of them, uh, Corkman, and can uh, have some success. Great success. All right, so let's move on to Shmup News. Um, I got to start off by giving an apology to the chief from our Discord, who recently released a game on Steam after many years of work, and then, dummy that I am, completely forgot to put it in our news segment last episode because I didn't post it in the Shmup News channel in our Discord, and the chief didn't either. It was shared elsewhere in the Discord. So I just completely forgot to include it. So apologies for that. But the game is called Polyfury. And uh, it is from Wayfarer Games. And it is out on Steam. Um, it's... Uh, think of it like... I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. It's kind of like Tempest as a Don Maku. Uh, Tempest or Gyrus as a Don Maku. You 
you move around a circle area. The bosses kind of start off in the center, usually, and then they can move around the playing field. And the idea is to, you want to bullet graze because bullet grazing will um, charge your laser weapon. You're always shooting your main weapon and you want to graze, but yet dodge bullets. You have a small hitbox. The enemy can also sometimes appear near you. And so you can actually sit next to the enemy if they're not shooting or if you can dodge while they're shooting to get uh, to earn graze. And it sort of creates this little ring around your character. And then once the ring is all the way around and, and then glows, then you can fire the, the sort of mega laser. But it's a really neat game. I was messing with it the other day and uh, I was kind of playing it the wrong way. I was using my trackball that I have connected to my streaming rig and uh, that's not ideal. But I guess uh, the chief says it plays best on controller where you can kind of use the analog stick to swing your ship around or get fine movement for uh, slower dodging and stuff. So I'm going to have to hook up my 8-BitDo uh, Ultimate pad to my PC and uh, give that another go. But each of the levels, one of the cool features is each of the levels has its own leaderboard. So depending on the score that you get for each stage, you can hit different spots on the leaderboard. So that's kind of a fun feature to make it a little bit more competitive uh, for each stage. Oh, sorry. You know, I was thinking what you could do with this instead is you can get one of those huge... Uh, they made a... Microsoft, I think, made this. Or maybe it was Logitech, but I'm pretty sure it was Microsoft. Made a trackball for kids. And because it was for kids, the thing is huge. I don't think it's quite bowling ball size, but it's pretty big. You oh. could use that instead. Yeah. Spin it to win it. Oh, and in the Discord, we were talking with the Chief about um, how... Uh, you should try to get um, compatibility with that uh, spinner controller that was made for Mister. Oh yeah, yeah the uh, the oh shoot the one for Car Warriors and for yeah the the rotary joystick one. Well, n not that one, but there's another one that's that Mister Add-ons sells that is a oh, specific this is the Arcanide one. Yeah, it's a it's a spinner controller. Um. That would be amazing to to use something like that with a game like this because it's tailor-made for this sort of experience. You know what would be fun to do? You could just start doing all sorts of weird stuff. You accept donations to just start using the Dreamcast fishing controller. Let's go all out. Huh. <laughs> right. Oh, here it is. Uh, Crayola Kids PC Trackball. The thing oh, is interesting. absolutely huge. Yeah. Oh, anyone, uh, do a quick search for it. Oh, boy, are you trying to describe a trackball here? Huh. Uh, Orbital Assault by Short Demand is a GB Jam 11 submission and is free to download on itch.io. You know, if we were to ever start our uh, limited uh, physical company, I think Short Demand would be really high up there on the list. <laughs> short Demand. Huh. That's the name of our physical physical game company, Short Demand. Yeah, probably because we'd be putting out such niche uh, doujin shmups and things that, that uh, yeah, it would be Short Demand, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, the, the game would be five megabytes, and the rest would just just be videos of us talking about it, <laughs> or episodes <laughs> of the podcast. There you go. <laughs> and it, did you, well, you saw they were doing that. They were trying to make their own um, uh, like Criterion Collection because they have the Karateka, what was or Karateka, sorry, Karateka. Oh yeah. It was one that has that right where it has behind the scenes, so it's sort of like the Criterion Collection. We just make our own. Some of that was a short demand games production. There you go. <laughs> uh, Team Overloaded has released the demo for Assault Shell 2 on Steam. Uh, the game is still planned for a 2024 release, but you can uh, download the demo and play it now. I and downloaded have- the demo. And uh, I messed with it a little bit last night, and this is good stuff. Um, It's only got two stages, but of course we played Assault Shell on uh, with the Shmup Club, and we had some guy on the podcast to talk about the game that he designed. I can already tell you that based on this two-stage demo, that this sequel is is already a an improvement so i am excited to see the full game yeah i i th- from what you've been telling me it sounds like we may end up with the terminator slash terminator 2 situation where like yeah terminator was pretty good but then you look at that oh terminator 2 yeah that is nice i think so all right speaking of very nice Ray's Arcade, uh, speaking of very nice, Ray's Arcade Chronology has officially released on Steam. Now, I have this, but I haven't had a chance to try this out, so hopefully I can report on this uh, when we do our our next recording here, hopefully on a day that isn't Friday the 13th. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm going to double dip and buy this on Steam or not, um, because I still waiting for the now delayed physical from strictly limited at least they're not uh, dispatch <clears throat> yeah that's you'll true. get it uh, dispatch you yeah, i don't know yeah di- well let's not let's not go into that i, I don't need <laughs> to reach i don't need to go into a depression <laughs> uh against great darkness is a combination brick breaker and shmup with scrolling levels and enemy waves and it has a planned uh, 2023 release on Steam. It almost sounds like this is going to be one of those weird modes for Arkanoid that is, they've been trying to revamp that, right? Uh, well, well, it wasn't Arkanoid Returns Returns. <laughs> we'll see. It came out for PS4 and the Switch. I really like the uh, PS4 version because you use the touchpad to control the um, little... I forget the name of the ship, but you can use it to control the ship back and forth like a paddle controller. Oh, nice. Yeah, this seems like a pretty fun game. And then they did... Uh, there's other things that I've sort of experimented with. There was a one that Mark MSX was talking about that was pretty good. But that was more along the lines of Alien Crush, right? They did Demon's Crush. There was oh, a Demon's Crush a Demon's special Tilt. sequel. Yeah, Demon's Tilt Pinball. Yep, and now there's uh, Alien's Crush. Uh, uh, Mark MSX. Xenotype, yep. Highway Rampage is out on Steam now from Lasso Games and is driving shoot 'em up there as you cross in the desert and upgrade your vehicle on the way to mow down enemies. All right. 
It's not finally something that you're driving through the desert and is as boring as desert bus. Huh. Yeah, this um, this is a bit like the recent shooter Dead End City, but without the kind of Galaga 88-inspired um, stages of enemy waves. It looks like it's all, all scrolling. Uh, there's more footage and info available now about M2's uh, Alesta branch game that... Um, the entire game has been developed, apparently, and should be in beta soon. Uh, it's expected to release to consoles in 2024, runs in Unity, and will have three playable characters. Uh-oh, they're going to have to pay 24 cents per install. Huh. No, I know they walked that back, but still. Yeah, I, uh, you, you, I wonder how many more peop how many people are going to continue developing Unity. Anyways, uh... No, uh, another Leste game sounds fine. M2 certainly knows what they're doing, so I, I'm certain it will be a good game. Yep. M2 was also asked about Senzin Leste, the currently arcade-only game. The official statement is, we'd like to bring Senzin Leste to home consoles in the future, but really seeing without adding anything to the original is not our intention as of now. So, arcade first, and then home console in the future so look forward to coming out from hamster right well i'm hoping this means that in addition to what you get with the main arcade game that maybe we'll get one of m2's signature arrange modes uh, with the home release um and possibly additional content yeah by the time this comes out i mean you're looking probably what a ps5 release or do you think at that point they'll still be releasing stuff on PS4? Yeah, PS5, Switch 2, maybe. Yeah, Switch 2 may be the real one. That is when you think about it, the the PS5 we have that the glitter shmup. I can't remember the one we talked about where it was all it was special effects. It wasn't from Square Enix that we're looking for that one a couple months ago. What's that? The, the 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 one that had real real pretty graphics and <laughs> special effects. Oh, that's probably Signy All Guns Blazing that Konami's publishing. Oh, it's Konami. I'm sorry. Yep. So uh, I wonder if the PS5 is really going to be the system go to that is similar to the way that PS4 was for Smart. I mean, the Switch certainly holds its own, but the PS4 was sort of the, the de facto standard when people were looking for stuff. It, it, it was the only system to get the release of Ketsui, right? So right. I wonder. Well, or even Battle Grega. So I wonder if the Switch 2, as it's rumored to be similar in power to the PS4, will be more appealing to developers. Because it'll be similar to the, the hardware they've worked on, and they'll know that they'll have a large enough install base. Right. Versus going with the PS5 or... So, I don't know. It'll be inter interesting to see. Yeah, this, this is... I will tell if the Switch 2 is like the PS4 uh, in terms of power and, and stuff, then uh, then I guess the Switch 2 is um, um, the uh, mom, can we get a PS5? And mom says, we have PS5 at home, and that's the Switch 2. <laughs> uh, I, I think the PS5 at home is a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> right. Uh 
the Sagaya Game Boy game that was previously a pre-order bonus for uh, Amazon Japan shoppers or Strictly Limited Games physical pre-orders of the Darius Cosmic console collection will now be available as an eShop release on Nintendo Switch. Very nice. This is the type of stuff that you like to see. More availability. You know, e even if it's cost you like 5 to 10 bucks, it, this is pretty cool. I, I appreciate them putting in the effort here and would gladly see this over horse armor or loot boxes or whatever other crazy stuff. Yeah, for sure. The source code for version 1.2 of the DOS Shmup Raptor Call the Shadows has been released on GitHub. All right, everybody, time to get your uh, Raptor Call of the Shadows fan fiction going. <laughs> I I like seeing this kind of thing because number one, it means that enthusiasts can look at the code, start tinkering with it, and especially for older games like this, kind of learn how this stuff works. Um but also because then fans can maybe start doing things to retool some of the levels or even create their own campaigns. Um, so I'll be curious to see what happens with this. Yeah, I think that there is it's sort of a weird way, but there's a, a little bit of a resurgent upon... I, I always took Raptor to have inspiration from the Raiden series, or especially Raiden 1. It's so weird how we're getting a little bit of a write-in resurgence with that in Arayo. Yep. That, that sure. people are interested in making these type of games. But Raptor was always the one that, that was impressive to me when I was first starting out with computer as, wow, look, this looks better than, or on par or better than some of the games I'm playing on my Super Nintendo or Genesis. This is impressive. Gameplay-wise, it may have not held up the same, but as far as the presentation at the time, it was pretty impressive. For sure. Radergy 2 has been officially delayed by RS-34. No new release date is yet available. Uh, it was previously to have been released in early December. Also, uh, Elvel Swamp is apparently being localized though no Western release date is known at this time. So, good news, bad news. Yeah, could you imagine trying to... Uh, we walk into a store. Yeah, I'm trying to find Ilvo Swamp. <laughs> right. <laughs> if it does get localized, it'll either be online or it'll be one of those weird things that just randomly shows up on Target's website. Yeah, that or it'll be one of the boutique publishers that picks it up. Well, yeah, that's what I meant with uh, well, uh, with, what's with that new new one? What's it called? Uh, limited demand. Yeah, limited demand <laughs> can pick it up. Yeah. Uh, call sign is Magic Liner. Is a Game Boy style eight bit shooter that is free on Steam. Well, I expect to see you playing this soon. Yeah. Well, and the hook of this game is that you sort of use fighting game style special moves to draw lines on the screen, and then that activates your special weapons. Um, I saw in the in the trailer that's on Steam that the player who was demoing the game made this sort of 
loop that then fired a, a Dodonpachi style laser. So it looks kind of neat. The three screen version of Darius 2 is now out via Arcade Archives. I can't wait to bring out my magnifying glass attachment for the Switch Lite so I can play this there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three screen version is interesting because I want to say since it was released as a two screen game mostly the three screen version might have only been might have only been released as a conversion kit for the Darius three screen cabs um, I don't know how many how many three screen kits might have been sold versus the two screen Darius two cabs. But um, I feel like maybe the three screen version could make the game slightly more approachable, but probably not by a wide margin. Definitely not on Switch Lite. I tried to play, <laughs> play uh, I tried try playing, uh, uh, sorry, I, I tried playing, not Ketsuya, I, so definitely not on Switch Lite. I tried playing Mushi on that one, and uh, I, I'm going to have to break out one of the, either the Handy Boy or my light magnifying glass and light for the DMG Game Boy. <laughs> Those bullets were impossible to see. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, Topham has released an English translation patch for the Dreamcast Shmup under defeat. Heck yes. I will Indeed. be grabbing this. The Mega Drive Mini version of Darius is now out on PS4 and Switch. So you can buy it digitally. Also, all sorts of Darius. Is, is someone's going overkill on the Sushi Shishimi. That's right. We got tuna sashimi all day. Bass Pro Shmups. <laughs> Our Boss Pro Shmups. Uh, Window Kill is available on HIO from Torquedo. It's a classic style shooter, but the twist is that you're inside an environment that looks like a Windows desktop. This is my recurring nightmare. Inside <laughs> a Windows desktop, and I can't get out. Yeah, it looks like you're in a Windows XP kind of desktop and you're you're traveling and shooting between windows to take out enemies. So it could be an interesting little uh, time waster. Just like Windows itself, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have to... The other thing I was going to say, if Clippy's not a final boss, no sale. But the... Uh, one of the things that you do bring up was when you're traveling to between different windows, that is a pretty neat idea. And I saw recently that Namco had taken the Pac-Man 99 and was bringing it to their own style of Pac-Man versus where you can eat other Pac-Man and play, I think it's like Pac-Man 64 or something like that. You can play, uh, you, you compete together and you can go to eat different um, Pac-Man levels. Well, people are, you can eat their power pellets and stuff and try and mess over people, which really got me excited for the possibility is that we need more of these type of couch co-op type games because for the most part, they're relegated to the arcades. 
and to get maybe if this does well they can do a Galago one where you can steal other player ships something like this has a lot of potential that would be cool Compile Heart has announced six new games including an unnamed STG developed by M2 what is a little confusing is that Compile of course was originally the company that made the Alesta games. And now M2 has has developed or, or yeah, has developed essentially two Alesta named games. The Senjin Alesta, of course, that's in the arcade now, and Alesta Branch that we just talked about earlier, that is coming next year. So I assume this is not another Alesta title. Actually, they've done three because they did uh, GG Alesta 3. But I assume this is not another Alesta game. But I'll be curious to see what what they do. Maybe it is. Who knows? <laughs> I wonder if they would ever come out with a compile compilation from M2. A compilation? A compilation, yes. Well, if you, anyway, they got enough game. Could you imagine what would happen with uh, if they came out with a, a Zanuck uh, compilation, similar to what they're doing with the Irem stuff for uh, Strictly Limited right now? Uh, Duke Togo would be the first person in there saying, shut up and take my money. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Uh, trial or demo version of Ashura the Striker is available now on Steam. Yeah, and this is um, sort of a Space Harrier-like game. I saw someone that had played the uh, demo version, and they mentioned that, for whatever reason, when you're not moving your character, the character snaps back to kind of the center of the screen, which is unusual. So it'd be interesting to see whether that stays in the final release or if enough players complain and say, uh, we don't like this, and the dev changes it. Hmm. I remember that there was another... It wasn't Space Fantasy Zone. There was another similar game that was on the PC Engine. I forget what it was. I think it was a Samurai or something with it. So behind the perspective. It wasn't similar to, like... Um, Jumping Jack or Jumping Jack 2, that weird one. The 3D perspective, the one that, when Square decided that all their games need to come with uh, 3D glasses. <laughs> if you remember that for the uh, the NES days, Red Racer and uh, what oh, was it? 3D Roll Runner. 3D Roll Runner, right? Which I think in Japan is called Jumping Jack or something. Somebody, the sequel, at least, was Famicom only. Right. Jumping Jack 2. And yeah, I. Hmm. Uh, uh, there, but there was a uh, there was. It, it's considered official Kosoge. That is a ruling on it. But it, it's a one with a samurai, and it is very similar in look to Space Harrier. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't end up along that, and ends up more along something like Planet Harriers or even the original Space Harrier, and ends up being a worthwhile game. So, uh, holding out hope for this one. Right. 
Uh, the old doujin shooter Made in Wired from Junpei Ishiki has been ported to the Playdate handheld and is a free download. And it is a WarioWare style shooter. Every day I turn the crank. I had not heard of this game until I um, until I saw that announcement. Uh, it looks kind of cool. Very simple, but of course, WarioWare games are all very simplistic. Yeah. Uh, well, even the stuff on the Playdate itself, right? It doesn't have a huge amount of things on there and, and thankfully you don't have the crank crank is sort of a i wouldn't call it like a, a gimmick but it, it's certainly a unique feature of it. it it gives it its reason for existing so that'd be sort of fun to play on something that doesn't uh it does doesn't have a lot of st stuff that you see otherwise right when you say you're looking for a play date uh, well people may give you weird looks and maybe even call the cops but Huh. If you're saying you're looking for uh, for more more games for this handheld, seem are always a good thing. Yep. Silvercat Studios is working on a new game called Sinar. That is an 8-bit styled shooter with classic mechanics. Do you know much on this one? Yeah, I posted a, a short video that I found in another Discord. I posted that in our Discord and. Um, looks promising. Uh, speaking of promising, Tomashi from 171Dev is available to wishlist on Steam now, and it looks to combine classic and Danmaku styles into a vertical STG with a colorful 90s arcade visual style. Uh, th this one went on the wishlist quickly. It definitely looks like it could be good. Is this more manic? Or is, or is this more like Batsagun? No, it it looks like it truly combines classic and Danmaku, where there are some Danmaku patterns with bosses and some things, but then there are other spots where it seems like more freeform bullets. Hmm. So maybe more yeah, like an early cave kind of thing. Back when before it was cave, it was just a, a couple a pile of rocks. Yeah. All right. So, uh, next one here, I guess, is aptly uh, talking about this because Ryo is now out on Steam. And I had the chance to try this out, and I liked what I played, but it is very much a love letter to Raiden 1. Like, it's like Raiden's got this, but well, we got this too. I mean, things are changed enough where it is uh, it's non copyright strikeable. But you can tell Ryo is extremely heavily influenced. It, uh, the only thing that I don't like about Ryo is it is sort of trying to have it both ways. The soundtrack is is modern, meaning that it's sort of like orchestral and it's not chip tune or have you. But the presentation is very DOS like, right? It's meant to be very early '90s. And so you have this sort of modern soundtrack parsed with the sort of PC speaker-like explosions. And that just sort of throws me off balance, right? Mm -hmm. You just you can't have that much of a space. You can't be trying to go for one effect and trying to say, oh, it's just like the old days, but all of a sudden then it plays 
you know, or, or looks different. It has to match it. But at the same time, the fact that, that something like that irks me means you've done a pretty good job of aping what you were going for. Huh. So I, I definitely like Ryo. I think it, it's a very good homage or spiritual sequel to the first ride-in. I mean, heck, even Gallantry, you could tell that they were trying to copy Gallantry in the first stage. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely fun. The only problem with it is you sort of have more modern music styles mixed in with the very, like, early 90s, you know, PC speaker type, very, very chunky explosions on there. It, the, I think the only time that some, the explosions have bothered me to this effect was within Steel Vampire, when everything was just like overblown. Right. You know, it was almost like somebody stood right in front of a Michael Bay explosion just recorded and said, <laughs> this is good enough. <laughs> so, it's not quite the same, but, it, but if you're going to go for authenticity, you have to make sure it's right. You, you can't just sort of make something and go, okay, this is it, and then it doesn't doesn't have the same quality so hopefully that gets fixed or rectified if you had let's say maybe a midi soundtrack or a chiptune soundtrack that you could put in there or even you know you do since there was time on Sh- raptor call of the shadows you have a sound blaster sure or, or an ad lib version of that soundtrack i think that would fit better but overall yeah. I-, I was presently pleased with what i played and thought it was a pretty good game it just is a little jarring when it comes to the sound. Sure. Did Developer, you try this? Uh, no, I haven't tried this one yet. Oh, okay. Uh, but developer Kanzaki has released Silent Gear on itch.io as a free download, and it is a Don Maku style shooter. I did try this one, and this is solid. Um, it's kind of it, it's got an interesting idea behind it. There are three. Uh, you, when you when you boot up the game, you can choose between three different colors to associate with your ship, each of which imbues it with a different a different attribute. And so you either boost your firepower, boost your movement speed, or boost the I think the number of bombs or something like that. You you start with more bombs or more lives or more firepower, something like that. So then your ship is colored either red, blue, or green. And the enemies can shoot bullets that are red, blue, or green. And depending on which ship you choose, the color of your ship determines the color of your firepower. So that'll match the color of your ship. And then that color of firepower will eliminate the same color of enemy fire. So when I was messing around with the green ship, then when enemies were shooting green bullets at me, my green bullets could cancel out their green bullets. And then I only have to dodge the red and blue. So that seems like an interesting mechanic, a sort of twist on the Ikaruga thing, if you will. Um, But also really making you play the game differently depending on which ship you choose. Not just because of its other inherent properties, but because literally, in order to survive, you have to be in different places 
based on the bullet patterns and all of that. So I could see that being a promising approach. Yeah, uh, anything that's more in the vein of Ikaruga gameplay loop sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Iron Collection Volume 3 has been confirmed to include Dragon Breed, Mr. Heli, also known as Battle Chopper, and Mystic Riders. As with the previously announced collections, Strictly Limited Games slash Einan will be handling the Western release. <clears throat> now, Einan hasn't done any of these, the Iron Collections at least. Well, I don't think they've released yet. I think they're still all pre-order or, you know, in production. Yeah, but I don't think they even have pre-orders for these, do they, for Iden? Well, I don't know. They're all on Strictly Limited, but, I mean, it's the same company. Oh, sure, sure. I'm just, was, I was shocked. I was like, if, they, if these are coming out via Iden, those are more along the lines of official U.S. releases than the Strictly Limited. Oh, sure. Who knows? Maybe maybe once the all the special editions and stuff are out, Iden will do a a run of standard versions, or maybe they're cutting back on some of that so that they can uh, cut costs. Yeah, it's hard to tell what goes in the background. But speaking of uh, Einan, on the, they had a killer deal that if you haven't done already, and I think it's still going on, the first Taito Arcade release, I think, what was that down to like $8, 7 or $8 for the Switch version? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so definitely take a look on on Amazon if and see if it's still there. Yeah, but this is uh, this is going to be good because it's confirmed to have both Mister Helly and Battle Chopper, so it'll have both versions. And then I want to say it's also going to have uh, both versions of Mystic Riders, so it'll have Mystic Riders, and then I can't I can't t tell you the Japanese title off the top of my head. But it'll have both versions and it'll include the PC Engine version of Mr. Heli. So that'll be nice. Maho Kibatai Gun Hoki. Magic Defense Force Gun Broom. <laughs> All right. Someone named Derek Pascarella on Twitter has released a patch for the Dreamcast version of Trizeal, available now via GitHub. Uh, I saw this a few days ago where uh, Derek was looking for a 100% save file for the game on Dreamcast uh, to help create a patch. But I guess that must have happened because now the patch is available. Sounds good so to me. I always, yeah, I definitely like translation patches, fixes. Uh, laws we're working towards making things more accessible and more playable. It's always good in my book. Yep. Uh, at Inmot Konami on Twitter is making a Famicom STG called Metal Cancer and is showing a brief footage of the work in progress. The game appears to have a mechanic where you can grab enemies and throw them at other enemies offensively and beat a dude with another dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this Twitter handle Inmot Komani. I'm just going to come out and say it. This has got to be a, uh, a fun way of saying I'm not Konami. Yeah, if it was Konami, it would just be another pachinko machine, right? Something like that, yeah. 
Although, I have to hand it to Konami. Ever since uh, the Pachinko uh, phase went through, uh, I mean, wh what would you say here? You'd say the Konami of, the, of what, 2015 through t maybe like 2019? On there, like um, the let's say the PS4 era Konami, for the most part, they weren't interested in anything like this. But the Konami of today is really interested in bringing back stuff. Is I mean, we have Contra coming from way forward, right? Right. I mean, we so, have had some stuff. You know, Super Bomberman R was a launch title for the Switch and and so forth. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Well, I, I, as sad as it sounds, I think Super Bomberman is probably going to be the most that we ever see out of the Hudson stuff. Sadly, I think you're right. I haven't played the second one. I did enjoy the first one. Same. Scott Host, developer behind Raptor Call of the Shadows, is releasing the sequel, Demon Star, on Steam. And it will be rebranded as Demon Star Original Missions. And it is tentatively set for a November 15th release. Wow, this he's cool. giving. You know what I have to say for this? Thank you for giving me an anniversary gift. <laughs> um, I have not played Demon Star in a long time, so I will probably be picking this up because, um, yeah, I I remember liking this back in the day. I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, Primit Shooter 2 is a forthcoming roguelite shooter that pits you against cute alien creatures in closed arenas. Releases on Steam October 19th. Yeah, it sort of has a little bit of a overhead perspective with enemies and, and stuff that almost have a bit of a Vector Man vibe to them. Uh, Noise Recollection G is out for Nintendo Switch, and this combines visual novel, danmaku, and rhythm game elements, and is a compilation of various noise levels and storylines. I've not played any of the noise games. Neither have I, so I will try here. Just ask me in 2027 here. By then I should have some time. <laughs> I, the amount of games that have come out and you know, even the fall alone is staggering. I'm still playing it. Uh, you know, the newest Assassin's Creed. I am playing Armored Core 6. I am I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3. And now people are telling me I should be playing the new Forza Horizon. And then we got Starfield going on. And then we have some people are still playing Tears of the Kingdom. You know, I, I can't wait for your... Uh, 650 hour playthrough next year <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom, but I, I am just I'm swamped with so many games right now and it, it seems bad like first world problems here I got too many games to play no it's just a, I just plethora of riches and I'm thankful that we can get so many of the things as <laughs> it, it's even with all the releases they're coming through it, it's it's a lot to take on, but I, I'm very thankful for having a huge amount of stuff to be able to play, and yeah. for everybody to allow me to, uh, to rant for the most part, but to talk about it. 
Yeah, it's funny. You're playing all these new games, and um, aside from Gunvane and, and the Shmup of the Month, I'm currently working on Call of Duty 2 for the original Xbox. <laughs> oh, gotta love uh, it. That's fine. You, you'll be working. As soon as you mentioned to me that you were slightly interested in trying some Dark Souls, just wait. Duke Togo's going to come creeping out, and he's going to get you set up. Yeah. You will be... You will be going, can I beat this game in my underwear? Dark Souls 3, hard run. <laughs> yeah. No, I, there there really is a, a huge amount of good stuff in the fall of this year, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can get some really great stuff next year as well. Right. Uh, Reshoot Proxima 3 is a new vertical shooter for the Amiga. From Spielscriper. That's as best as I can do. The game can be purchased from the website rp3.spielscriber.de. Yeah, I have, my my German is non-existent, so people thought I was bad with Japanese. Just try my German. Yeah, make it sound I like I'm just hacking all the time. I think it's Spielschreiber, but yeah. Uh, yeah, just, what you said. Just search for reshoot Proxima Three, and you'll find it. Uh, this looks good. Um, I'm not an Amiga guy, but yeah, this looks legit. So I would be interested in playing this. There is a new side-scrolling Famicom shooter in development from Kat Hui Shoji. The main ship you pilot appears to be able to transform into a mech and back at will. And uh, the early footage shown on Twitter looks pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I'm definitely always happy for another Famicom game. I don't know what it is, but if a Famicom game comes out, it could be called, you know, you know Action Kasoge 52. Well, it's a new game. I got to have it. <laughs> yes. M2 will be holding a live stream on October 19th at 7 p.m. Japanese Standard Time to go over some features for the forthcoming DDP GOJ release. Yeah. Yeah. When, whenever I think that I keep getting this confused with DFK for some crazy reason, but the, yeah, DOJ, th this is something that is just going to sell, sell, sell. And it, I, the old, you saw that old DS joke. Where they had the Wii and stuff, and it's uh, Miyamoto, and it says it prints money. It prints money, yeah. <laughs> yep, th this is this is what this is going to be. I don't know if it'll print money, but I do think it's going to sell well, um, because the only physical print, well, I shouldn't say that. PS2. I mean, PS2 for DOJ white label, and then black label came out on 360, but... Mark MSX has made much hay about how it's janky and doesn't play well and, and has all kinds of problems. So I'm hopeful that means that the M2 port will fix all of that and um, have a lot, uh, a lot more legs. You know, that's what also people used to describe me, janky with a lot of problems. <laughs> 
All right, and for our last bit of news here, the Dojin GBA, should I mention a few episodes back, has the name Xeon Advanced Mission and is still in development. That's another thing that you don't see a lot of stuff for. I mean, Amiga is certainly up there as for stuff that you don't see a lot. Of, well, you don't hear a lot of new stuff for. It's sort of like someone saying, well, I'm developing a new game for the Sharp X68K. Right. It's going to catch your attention because it's something that doesn't have... The same thing with the GBA, right? The... You don't see a lot of STGs for that, so I'm definitely be keeping an eye on this. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is probably the only only the second uh, indie shooter for the system that has been developed since the console, or you know, since its uh, commercial life was done. The first being Bullet GBA, which is sort of a Danmaku demo, if you will, for the system. Um. So this looks good. It's a vertizontal and uh, it looks neat. It looks like there's definitely some love put into it. All right. Made for love. <laughs> so now that the news out is out of the way, let's remember the shmup that we played in September, which is Terraflame. I'd like to thank Super Goat, Spiders, Corkman77, A Roguish Ham, one more quarter for Macho and Synthatron uh, <laughs> and Tethuster Prime <laughs> and Synthatron Prime for joining us for the month of September. Uh, Terran Games is a Japanese Dojin developer headed up by lead programmer Terran55. Terran has released several retro styled shooting games on PC and Nintendo Switch since 2017. Yeah, I think one of the most famous, there, there's a couple of ones. Missile Striker was a pretty big one for them. Uh, Terraflame was another big one. And I know that there was, there was that uh, Raging Blasters, right? Yep. Uh, have you had a chance to try Raging Blasters or Missile Dancer? I have not. Okay. I know that I was looking at their Steam page and... Missile Dancer 2 surprised me. I was like, this doesn't look like this. It's like someone decided to take um, Afterburner or sort of like Galaxy Force. Yep. It, it almost looks like it, yeah, it belongs in the RS360. So I thought huh. that was sort of interesting. Uh, that's not out yet, but I'm definitely looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, Terror in Games has also collaborated with Master Tika. Takahashi Meijin to create the Star Soldier homage game Star Gagnet, pronounced Ganin, which was released for Nintendo Switch on May 25th, 2023. I have not played this yet. Have you? Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Terrorin sent me a, uh, a code for it uh, for the Switch, so I, uh, I redeemed that and uh, put a few minutes into it. Um, one of the, of course, selling features is the tie-in with Takahashi Majin. So, of course, that means no auto-fire. Or there's auto-fire in the game, but you're sort of punished for using it. Because it's kind of like... I'm trying to remember an example, but there are a couple of old arcade games where you power up your ship more by tapping the button quickly. Um, and this is kind of the uh -oh. same thing. So you actually build more firepower... Or more strong shots by rapid firing yourself instead of relying on a on a turbo fire. I mean, you could sort of make the argument in some ways that's what Terraflame is about too, right? 
not using auto fire. <laughs> kind of, yeah. So, uh, Tear Flame itself was released on Steam on November 17, 2022, and for Nintendo Switch on April 30th, 2023. Did you play the Steam or the Switch version or both? Both. Okay. Do you, do you find anything that little differences in them, or you want to talk about that later? Um, I'll, we'll we'll get into that. Fair enough. So, would you like to take over for gameplay? Sure. Um, so in terms of the basics, uh, Terraflame is a Thunder Force style horizontal scrolling shooter, very obviously influenced by Thunder Force. Uh, much like the Thunder Force games, you have a variable speed control with four settings, and you also have multiple weapons, uh, though all three are equipped from the start, and unlike the Thunder Force titles, you don't lose any when you die. Each of the shot types, which are forward, back shot, and homing, are each mapped to their own button as well. Uh, Power-up icons can be picked up to upgrade your base weapon's power uh, up to a maximum of level 3. Uh, your weapon also has a power or charge meter, and weapons do more damage at full or near full charge, and less damage as the meter drains. As you destroy enemies, they drop crystals you can collect for points. Uh, there's also a rolling unit power-up, which is similar to the claw or craw, in the uh, Thunder Force series, and that, those will spin around your ship and provide extra firepower. Um, unlike the the Craw or Claw, I don't believe they cancel bullets. I did not uh, observe that while I was playing. There's also a shield pickup called the Defender, which will give you three hits, and as with most STG, Without the Defender, your ship has one hit. Yeah, the you... Defender is a little bit weird where I, when you get hit, it, it sort of like stops for a second. Right. Yeah, so there's just this brief minute. pause. Yeah, at first it was a little jarring, but then I sort of got used to it. I, I, I sort of imagine it was put in there so that way you would get sort of a, a little bit of a feedback that you've been hit and now you've got two hits or one less hit. Right. And it does sort of change from the green outline to uh, to sort of a or a blue outline to sort of a orange or yellow, like a warning. A la Gradius. And then it changes to red when it's on its last hit. The game has an enemy chaining system and a visible meter shows in the top right of the screen to indicate the countdown timer before your chain drops. Uh, Terraflame plays out over seven regular stages, with a final eighth stage that is largely a boss rush before the final boss itself. There are three difficulties. Uh, there are three difficulty levels in the main arcade mode: normal, hard, and extreme. And then yeah, this, also... this is where I imagine a, a lot of people would <laughs> jokingly say there are three difficulties in there: easy, normal, and hard. <laughs> right. Uh, there's also a caravan mode that plays out with a, a sort of a remix of stage one with other elements added in, and then up to two boss fights, depending on how quickly you take out the first boss. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of the elephant in the room with this game, I think, as far as the difficulty. Um, it's not a difficult game, and I think that tends to be the prevailing thought about terror and games in general, that the default difficulty is not. Um, just to sort of put it in perspective. Now, of course, I have I had been grinding a lot of of Lightning Force for my Shmup Slam 6 run, so I was kind of in Thunder Force mode for a while, but I went in blind and I beat Terra Flame on normal my first try. Um, and then on that first stream when I was playing it, I beat Terra Flame on hard on my third try. Um, now, the expert difficulty did take me a few days to grind out and beat that because that has more bullets, it has revenge bullets, and there's a little bit more going on. Uh, so that was legitimately, I would say, week and a half-ish or so of, of playing that one, uh, three or four streams, something like that, before I was able to, to get that clear. But um, yeah, I mean, really the expert mode and scoring in general is where the challenge is at for that game. And yep, so that brings into my question for you, and you can answer this later. But <laughs> if if the difficult if the difficulty modes or the difficulty balance has been changed for this would this game be something that you would be more in tune with? And I know that you posed the question of the month because you were in some ways disappointed with Terraflame. So you don't have to answer it now, but I'm sort of curious on this. <clears throat> Me, I found it, as you s stated, it was a definitely an easier game, but I, I also noticed that some of it had to do a little bit with what I like to call Star Parodia Syndrome. It's different from Gradius Syndrome. Where Gradius Syndrome, you're very powerful and then you die and you just sort of have to go, well, I guess that run is done or, or I'm going to do my best not to uh, get through this. But Star Parodia, if you remember that, it starts out with giving you power up after power up after power right it starts fee it, it, it starts popping out stuff like AOL online free trials right <laughs> so a after that it slows down right after like stage five it slowed down and if you died in, in one of those stages it became really hard to catch back up it was really quickly easy to lose at least three to four lives and I think that's one of the situations that I encountered within Terraflame, where the popcorn won't do this to you, but if you die on a boss when you're fully powered up, it can make it really hard to get back in the groove of things. Right. Yeah, it's it's unbalanced in that way. Uh, the early game, it throws a lot of resources at you, and particularly in stage two and stage four, I want to say, um, you get multiple defender um yeah. I you know power up icons that are thrown at you I think because maybe the game expects or terror and expects you to get hit more in those stages for some reason so the difficulty balance is a little off with uh 
you know, with that, because stage one is pretty straightforward. Stage two has some some cheapness to it where you can take some hits. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> stage three is um, a little bit easier than stage two and certainly has a bit more balance to it. Then stage four has, again, some potential cheapness and I think three defenders through the whole stage. I think the the, the difficulty does balance out a bit better toward the end as you go stage five, six, seven, um, and then into the boss rush. But yeah, it definitely feels unbalanced. And that was one thing that was noted in the Discord is there is definitely a bit of Gradius syndrome with it. I noticed that when I played hard mode uh, because I went in after blowing through normal my first try I went in on hard mode and then immediately realized, okay, so this is not significantly harder, but it is definitely a step up in challenge. And so my first try, I, I bombed out a little bit early because I hit that Gradius syndrome. I think I died on a boss. Uh, I don't remember which one, but I died on a boss. And then I quickly uh, fell out with all my lives and couldn't recover. Um, so it's definitely a game where you want to find a groove with it early and you want to try and no miss as much as you can because as with any shmup, it's yeah. just easier when you do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, you, you're definitely right on the money there with, uh, uh <laughs> if, if you don't die to a boss, recovering is pretty easy, but if you do end up dying to boss, your options for power-ups are quite limited. It does give you power-ups and stuff, but they, they really don't appear fast enough for you, and you can easily die with one hit, and then you're back to square one again, which which is why I call it Proteus Syndrome. Or not Proteus, I'm sorry. Uh, Star Proteus Syndrome, because it's not... Gradius Syndrome It's more akin to you get hit once and your run is done. You have the option of recovering with this more so than in a Gradius game, but still, it, you could definitely lose three or four lives if you're not careful pretty quickly. Right. One one saving grace with that is if you die during a boss, um, because the game doesn't have checkpoints and you just respawn automatically. Um, the the during a boss fight you typically will have the opportunity to get at least a rolling unit and then depending on how long the boss fight goes or how much health it still has usually at least one power-up icon so that's a nice feature um but that's sort of countered by the fact that uh the game has very little in the way of iframes so when you respawn after a death, you have almost no iframes. So it's possible to chain death in that situation. Or same thing with if you get hit with a defender, get out of the way of whatever it was that hit you. Because if you don't, it's possible that you'll take another hit and burn through that defender. Yeah, and that's why I brought up again Star Parody here. Uh, it sort of got the same things too, where if you get hit and die, that thing has a very good chance of killing you again. Yep. Where in Gradius, you sort of just say, 
you know, I'm all powerful until, until someone, uh, well, you know, what, what's the, the old uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons where those people would always be walking with these muscles, and maybe this is taken from Looney Tunes too, but then, then a pin hits them or something and the muscles start deflating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's sort of the way I see this. <laughs> Where you've got this. It's... As long as you're going and you're not getting hit, it's can be a very easy game. But that, that's all I... You know, what's the key to winning in Dark Souls? Don't get hit and get good. <laughs> okay. Right. You know, what's the key to winning in Shmups? Kill them before they kill you. Really? You don't what a strategy say. guide. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but, I, but I think overall, at least for the for the normal and hard difficulties, it's relatively easy if you have any any modicum of shmup skill to not get hit by things um, a, a good percent of the time. One of the other nice features is that it has... Um, uh, when there are situations that enemies come in from other parts of the screen other than from the right side of the screen, there's an indicator that'll tell you where the enemy's coming that'll flash and make a noise, a little warning sound, before it happens. So it, I do like that that stuff is telegraphed because it it's not it's a lot less cheap that way. Um, and so for... For folks who don't like the memorization aspect of shmups as much, that's a nice quality of life feature. Yeah, I definitely agree. Gives that warning, and th that's something that I've seen more and more so with modern shmups. Is if they got something that is unblockable, or you wouldn't know where it's coming from, they will tell you. Right. The other th thing that I thought about was so interesting is that the power-ups are not weapon-specific. I wonder if they had made the power of weapons specific, if that had might make the game a little bit more interesting for more seasoned players. It definitely would up the challenge. Yeah, but uh, the gameplay itself I know you talked about the scoring right you don't you basically it's a electric meter build up just like you do an R type and then you want to fire it off to get maximum scoring as your meter slows down as you use your homing shot your back shot or your your forward firing shot and then you let charge up again so it's very much a rhythm right a, a rinse and repeat loop in order to get maximum scoring and I, I think, as I said, that's where the challenge lies, is finding the rhythm. You know, for that, if you're playing for survival itself, and you're, you have some experience, it's going to be pretty easy. Right. And so, yeah. I, again, it, it sort of brings up the question of, if this game's difficulty had been rebalanced, would more of the hardcore crowd find it interesting? It's possible. I mean, I think if the if the game's current hard difficulty was the default, even the seasoned players would probably blow through it their first or second try. Um, I think maybe it took me three tries to do it because I was a little overconfident having completely 
decimated the game my first time through. Um, but yeah, I think if if hard was normal and expert was hard, then that might have been more of a thing because then if you had an expert mode beyond that that was even more difficult, then that would be where the real challenge is for the seasoned players, the real hardcore players, and someone like myself that I consider more intermediate, the what is currently the expert difficulty as hard mode would have been a nice feather in your cap to sort of 1cc that mode because, oh, wow, I beat it on hard, you know? And it would have felt like more of an accomplishment. Well, the other thing, too, that I've been wondering is, uh, I mean, we've been doing this for over six years now, and it, before I was like, oh, shmups, yeah, I remember this thing. That's Gradius, right? And my taste and uh, snob snobbery has it definitely increased. And, I, and this had me pause and wonder, because the reviews on Steam were almost all paused, like, yeah, this is a fun shmup. And it's like, are we being too biased in this? What does a fun shmup constitute? And for it's definitely different for hardcore versus casual players. But does everything need to be where you memorize routes or you do this stuff? And, and the answer is no. Uh, everyone's got to agree that, yeah, there's going to be different types of shmups, right? We have, not everyone, play, as we talked about earlier, plays Don Maku or, or plays Standard. It's personal preference. So, but again, we are also giving our opinion on this. So, it, it, it's a, a little bit hard to, to say on this. Is is this a game that is balanced enough for people who just want to shoot things and have fun? Yeah, probably. But is it something that people who expect to have a little bit more in depth are going to immediately just go, no, it's not for me, probably too. <laughs> and and that, that's where I'm sort of wondering is you know six years into this we're looking at this from it's sort of like you and i going to see a movie you know and it, we know it's going to be a michael bay summer blockbuster or, or a, a mission possible you, you're not going to think or even like a fast and the furious you're not going to go really in depth with with the drama right but you're going to have fun yeah and and the same thing or with your Cisco and Eber looking at this, what is the artist intent? You know, what what does the the director want us to feel? How good was the acting? You're going to have a different set of scopes. So I wonder if, if this is a case where we pick something that was more in, in, more aligned with the casual than what you would what what our audience group would like. Well, and d does this make us the Siskel and Ebert of shmups? Oh, please, no. I, I just see someone, someone's going to make a meme of us, and we'll just be the Bert and Ernie of shmups. <laughs> Ebert. <laughs> hey, um, Ernie. No, I, I get what you're saying, you know, and, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm thinking about when we started... You know, we, we started with kind of, we started in a predictable way by covering Gradius or R-Type and then Gradius right off the bat. And then we took a wild left turn and went to Raiden 5, 
which was uh, a was much a newer game, missiles. even though it's a classic series, but it's the newest entry. And then we took another left turn and covered Warning Forever. Um, and so you have to say left turn at Albuquerque, right? Uh, or uh, we haven't covered it yet, but you know, Raystorm. This is the control tower. Make a left turn. Um, I I sort of came into this doing the podcast early as a fan of the genre and a connoisseur of the genre, but not an expert on the genre. Just someone who had been following it for 20 years and knew a little bit about a lot of games um, and was enthusiastic about it. And so we started this podcast and I was kind of wide-eyed and and curious about a lot of this stuff. Um, I think if this game had come out in 2018 or early 2019 when we started playing these games uh, in earnest and I played it then, I maybe would have had a different reaction to it than I than I did now. Yeah, and uh, I, here's the big thing that I kept thinking over and over. If this game had Gradius 3 di arcade difficulty, would I get more enjoyment out of it? Huh. That's an it, interesting thought. I mean... Well, for me, the answer is a little bit yes. And it sounds weird, but I've sort of... You know, I don't know if I'm channeling my inner Duke, Duke Togo here again, but I, you know, I, I've been playing Elden Ring. I, you know, I've been playing. Excuse um, the name escapes me. So many, so many Kingdom games this year, but I, I think Fallen Kingdom. The but all these Souls-like games. It's now that if this game doesn't beat me several times, and then 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 say try harder. Well, what's that uh, Gradius Guide end? You need more practice. Oh, right. If a game doesn't continuously insult me and <laughs> tell me to do, to get good, then I don't feel like I've gotten my money's worth. It feels <laughs> where it's in. Like I can't just sit down and enjoy a game anymore. But if it's if I don't if the game had gratitude three difficulty and it felt like I was overcoming obstacles by challenge, I think I would have a better time. And I think. That's the key thing, right? Video games do something different than any other type of media where they actively try and prevent you from playing it, right? The the famous comedian line where the, a book doesn't try and shut itself closed as you're reading it. A movie doesn't try and stop itself as you're watching it. Right. Video games purposely try and set up barriers and you get it enjoyment by overcoming those barriers. And right. I... If you pass through it on your first try, you don't feel like you've accomplished anything. You don't get that that sense of yeah, look what I did, and I I I think that's what's missing. What what draws people off? So yeah, if it but at the same time, people who were just looking for that yeah, I played fun. I remember our type. I had fun and shoot shoot and you're done. Well, yeah, it's great for them. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's, it, it, and I guess in the same way too. It, it, part of me, 
is more like, yeah, give me more games like the one we played in August. I want more manic games right now, or I want I feel like playing uh, more Damaku stuff. Give me the faster paced stuff right now. Whereas you know, a couple of months from now, I could be like, yeah, Gradius Two. Give me Gradius Two. I'll keep playing some, or or even you know, R Type, the original R Type. Let's play the slower stuff. So yeah. it it also depends upon what you're feeling. So it, 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 this was more of a reflective game than I originally thought it to be. But it, and I'll talk about final thoughts. I guess down below, I'm going maybe a little bit too much in the weeds here. Sure. Uh, any thoughts for you? No, I think you uh, to that I, or no? I think I'll uh, I'll save the rest for final thoughts. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the graphics here. Oh wait, we didn't talk about caravan mode. I should stop with that. Yeah, I did. Uh, oh, you did. Okay. I was going to say caravan mode is the other thing too that I wonder was thrown in there because of the difficulty of the regular thing. That was one of the other ones I was wondering too. Is is the caravan mode the, the sort of one for the hardcore players, where they can figure out the best routing, and everything else? Is it, was that was what's what's thrown in for? And you sort of see that within uh, we had that split with Mushi, right? right. We had Mushi and then Mushi 1.6. Where 1.6 was more accessible, but the original one, some people say, well, that's the purest way of doing it, but it. I, I sort of wonder if it's along those same lines that they knew that they were making the game a little bit easier, but then they said, well, if people are going to be playing and they're going to routing and talking about this game, let's put something in for the hardcore, put it caravan mode so that way they can figure out how to min max it. Right. Yeah. I, I think the general consensus among the more, the more seasoned players is that Extreme difficulty and the caravan mode sort of combined is the real game of Terraflame. Um, and normal yeah, the, and hard are sort of an appetizer. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I would agree with that sentiment. But let's move on to the graphics. The graphics themselves, I mean, the color palette's pretty basic, but they do have a very retro style to them. I swear, like, every three seconds or so, I, I sort of go, I recognize that. You know, the, whether the uh, R-Type uh, mechs that are now like chibi form <laughs> uh. that are in there or some of the enemies or stages within Gradius, the um, uh, the speed stage on there or the, I think it's stage five, the space station that looks like copied and pasted out of Gundam. So, right. uh, yeah, they, they definitely have hit you in the uh, member berries. Huh. So the one thing that you notice in here, and I have to agree, is somebody must like the color blue because there's a heck of a lot of it in space. Yeah, and I think that's a running theme in, in terror and games in general. There's just a lot of blue. One of the things that I noticed, you know, too, is there's a lot of like palette swaps. Like, oh, this enemy was purple, now he's green. Well, oh, all right. Does does about the same thing, so there there wasn't a, a huge amount of enemy variety. Nope. The uh, ship sprite itself was pretty large, and has a fairly large hitbox to go with it. Not as big as the one that w in Automedius. <laughs> in fact, I don't think anything will be that big. But 
so uh, yeah it, the one thing that that sort of jarred with me on the graphics were on stage two the flame stage when that scrolls up and down you know they, they basically have you have two parallax layers on the top and the bottom right you got one that goes at a smaller uh, slower speed and one that goes at a faster speed I don't know if it was my computer or my monitor or what, but the it just looked like it was going by so fast, and if I paid any attention to it, it, it caused problems for my eyes. I had to pay attention to the middle of the screen, but by looking up at the top or the bottom trying to focus on that, it just was going too fast and it gave me eye strain. Interesting. Probably similar to how I felt about the uh, faster sections in Xanak where the backgrounds moved so fast that they were a little dizzying. Yeah, if you got something that's moving too fast, I could definitely see it on there. That, that's why you need to take more Xanax. Yep. All right, you want to talk a little bit about the sound? Yeah, the soundtrack was composed by Hiroki, and uh, there's a a standard version of the soundtrack, which can be purchased on Steam and on Bandcamp, and then also a chiptune arrangement of the soundtrack, which sadly I was not able to find anywhere. Um, I felt like most of the sound effects were pretty understated, uh, although <laughs> there are a couple of more high-pitched sound effects or louder effects that can be a bit annoying. Um, in Stage 1, there's a section, a couple of spots where you get the indicators at the back of the screen, like I mentioned, where there are all these missiles that come forward. And it's these weird, I don't know, sound effects don't quite match, but the sound effect that plays when you shoot down the missiles is a little weird, and it's a little tinny sounding. Is that when they, uh, all the missiles start coming out from the back for the first time? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, the... The one thing that I will add in here, and again, this is my opinion, but the the whole the soundtrack and the sound effects themselves appear to be a little bit understated. The soundtrack was good when I could hear it, but it it just appeared to be softer than I expected it to be. Thunder Force games, if you're going to go with the Thunder Force theme, they are not understated in any situation. That is coming in loud and it's coming in fast. Right. Yeah. One other thing I do, uh, I do think the voice clips that play in the game are a nice touch and they do give it a bit of personality. So you get, um, so you get a, when you pick up a power up, it says power up. And then if it's, if it bumps up your weapon level, then it'll say weapon level two or weapon level three or something like that. And then you pick up the defender and it'll say defender and uh, things like that. So I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, that's very similar to Thunder Force. I, I like the you mentioned the craw or the claw. I mean, even mispronunciations are are a nice touch when when it comes through with with that type of speech. So it, it definitely adds to the game's personality. Yep. All right. So we talked a little bit earlier about scoring and the. Scoring is based upon that you want to get as get your <coughs> excuse me get your meter as full as possible, and then you 
dwindle it down as you get through your batch of popcorn, your batch of enemies, and then you gives you just enough time to get that meter back up again so that we can start it all over again. So the biggest thing that you want to deal with in scoring is collecting crystals dropped by enemies. Now, uh, just to make certain we're all on the same page here, these are not the same crystals as in Raiden 5. Those crystals are made from coffee. Coffee <laughs> crystals. There's also a hit counter, so landing as many shots as possible on enemies and bosses as possible adds to your score. <laughs> yeah, and you could almost say that in general, the really the only way you're not going to get bored from shooting a boss is to let that meter build up and then shoot the boss, right? I mean, it's made for you to actively use that meter when destroying those bosses. Otherwise, it just feels like you're you're, you're chipping away at what, what or, or I guess the best example I could come up with is like paying for something that is a couple hundred bucks with pennies. You're just constantly getting a little bit at a time. Yeah. Uh, there's a small bonus for completing each stage as well as a time bonus based on how quickly you take out the bosses. So again, using that meter to your fullest. Chaining appears to matter for scoring, but there doesn't seem to, to be much of a point boost for doing so. Yeah, the, the it's not something where you're going to be routing and doing. So it's going to be a matter of can I stay in this rhythm and how to figure out well, how to keep the bar, the power bar, as high as possible while I'm shooting stuff, so that way I can get the most crystals. Yeah, I noticed this when I was really messing with the caravan mode. I had one, uh, I had one instance where I did a run. I want to say my best run that I had in Caravan, I had a chain of 47 was my max chain. And then I had another one, another run where my max chain was 86 or something like that. So it was almost twice. And I actually got a lower score when I had twice the max chain than I did um, on the previous run. So I... It feels a little bit disconnected where maybe the chaining system was meant to be interesting and, and something that would add uh, add value to the game, but I feel like maybe it's only there. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem to really affect the scoring in the way that I thought it did because when you watch the, the end screen for each stage and you see how the totals are categorized, the chain doesn't appear to have much correlation at all. So and now that we've given our thoughts, let's move on to thoughts from the players who joined us for the game. So first up, we've got Supergoat, who says, Oh baby, I'll definitely be joining in for Terraflame. I've played it a little, and having just finished Never Awake, I was looking for the next game to play on the deck gonna do some crimson clover but we'll definitely put some time into terraflame next month and then later on uh supergoat says getting back to it after a little bit i had been struggling with level four expert and after finally beating that i cruised through levels five and six until the level six boss man four is brutal so many things appearing behind you only one defender on the level and lots of ships moving quickly in fast patterns or Phasing into being, uh, phasing into being while you're trying to dodge bullets. And then again later, I managed 
424,000 last night in PC Caravan. We'll do a few more rounds before bed tonight. I do love a good Caravan mode. So good for scratching that itch when you don't want to commit to an extended play session or lots of frustration. And then for final thoughts, don't have time to get the Expert Mode 1cc done. Very enjoyable game. A couple memo bits, stage 7 diagonally scrolling part where walls could come up suddenly, but the Gradius Syndrome was too strong. The roll unit should have been built in because so much of the game was balanced for it. I guess that's slightly different than Gradius Syndrome since you don't restart at a checkpoint, but it's similar enough. Yeah, that was the the other distinction, and he points that out there with Gradius Syndrome. It gives you a checkpoint, right, and then forces you to go through that section where this sort of throws you back, right back in there. So it's more akin to Star Parodia Syndrome. It, it's you just sort of get that where if you get in a loop and you're not careful enough, you could just keep repeating that loop over and over again, and before you know it, you're driving on a truck off the cliff with a groundhog named Puxatoni Phil. Huh. Yes, that prognosticator of prognosticators. Indeed. Bill Murray. <laughs> Alright, Full Macho says, Terraflame went 20% off on Switch today. Is this a conspiracy? Does Big Shmup, you know, know about this game? You know, I have to say, there's another company that we should use. Big Shmup Games. That sounds like an, our next bumper sticker, or a bumper sticker. <laughs> I'd rather be playing big shmup games. Uh, so, uh, have you played Terraflame today? Oh, there's so many things we could do there. Anyways, uh, no, that, that, that should be a sticker or some, a shirt. Big shmup games. <laughs> I've been dabbling real casually on Terraflame this month. I think I just lost a TLB on normal. At 1,648,820 points. It's a nice game. I love the slowdown. When you take a hit, that makes it clear, but brutal when you lose all your defender shields. It's chaos until the next one. Their graphics are chunky. Feels like a Game Gear shmup. Yeah, that's a good observation. There, chunky graph. It really does. And especially with a little bit limited, more of the limited color palette that they have with this in blue. It really does feel like this could be sort of either a master system, and I don't mean the master system has a, has a limited limited palette, but the SMS and the GG uh, share the the Game Gear share a very similar palette in the fact you convert stuff. But it, it really does feel like this could be sort of in an alternate reality be a Game Gear SDG. I think it's a 16-bit game in terms of pixels, but it's probably aiming at 240 pixels high. But the ship feels similar, feels larger than most SNES shmups, and a less detailed. Like a lots of GBGG <laughs> Game Boy or Game Gear games had oversized sprites relative to the screens. And the score HUD has a lot of outlines, which makes more portable delivered in nature, and it, like it would be a little more readable even direct sunlight. See, there we go again. If you're going to be playing this on a Switch Lite, you need the magnifier. Huh. Afterburner kit for your Switch Lite. That increases the chunkiness I'm perceiving, even if the pixel count is higher. I received a 430,700 in Caravan mode on Switch, so I'm coming for y'all, GBG. <laughs> I'm really cramming in last minute. 
Finally, 1cc normally at 1,948,620. Radius effect in the 6 through 8 stage bosses was extreme for me. Uh, my final thoughts, I agree with the above. The aesthetics are pretty unremarkable, levels extremely standard, and the enemy types are few. To me, the only two levels that break the mold are the speed tunnel and the lava arch levels. What was that? This, I'm trying to remember what the speed tunnel is, but the lava arch was level two. Right. Yeah, I think the speed tunnel was five. Five, five was or, it? Yeah, five no, or six. <clears throat> okay. There's, there's a level that feels... To, like the slightest nod to the R-type ship level, but so slight and so unique that touch is not exciting and it sort of just blends in with the others. Some of the bosses are a little too similar, but the layer stages are fun ones. The snake, the three-armed thing, and the TLB. Yeah, that was one of the things that I sort of noticed too was it, it, I was sort of laughing along those like it's some of the bosses sort of remind me of we have uh, big core at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the, the, they're they're all variations, right? I mean, for right. the most part, like we you got the arm boss, which is on I think stage three or something, which is similar to the salamander boss, where the arms going out and there, and, and then this, you know stage one is big core. There, for the most part, in the early stages, it's all just variations of big core. Yeah, it's it's variations on a theme. Yep. Now the good. I feel like this feels like it was made by people who are first and foremost shmup fans. To that point, to that I point to the design affordance for any enemy that emerges from the top, bottom, or left is perceived with a yellow warning box. How many games have enemies sneaking up and getting off a quick bl point blank? I'm looking at you, 1942. <laughs> Their presentation of upcoming enemies saves players hours of memorization, but there's still strategy in the charge shot management that leads to unique runs. I don't feel impatient playing early levels for the 20th or 30th time. I really enjoy the three shooting types, but some I think it's missing just a little something to make it more distinct in the crowd of shmups. Oh, and I love the inclusion of caravan mode. I really enjoyed the flight of the pigress in December 2020 and would love another caravan shooter for the club. Alright, we gotta go back to flight of the pigress this year. <laughs> flight oh, of the pigress redux. We just need to... Uh find a really good caravan shmup to do at some point again well i know that that they uh they have some summer carnival but that might be fun to do next year right sure it's 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 the summer of summer carnivals we've everyone gets to do uh well you've got i, I figure that this search engine hopefully won't censor me for saying all's a dick but <laughs> it's got it, uh we've got nexer all's a dick and i mean we could put wreck in there but we're, <laughs> Rekka would be hard to get in once the uh, the eShop's already closed, right? So you can't get on 3DS. Right. I'm trying to think of anywhere else you could get that on there. Not maybe really. We just, maybe we can just do that as part of our Talk Like a Pirate Day. <laughs> yes. So, but no, I, I think it'd be fun to do a summer carnival event in uh, maybe, not, if not next year, in 2025. Where we just go through the the carnival games, uh, all the dick and next year I'm certain we get a lot of people. Not sure what we do for the third one. Sure. There's got to be more than that for the caravan shooters. It can't be all TG16 stuff. Oh yeah, there's other stuff too. Spiders posted. Hey everyone, super excited about Terraflame this month. 
I've been dragging my tush about posting replay videos, but I do have my Switch Terra Flame high score expert run I will try and post and share with the Discord ASAP. I also have a link to Gatan's Caravan run I'll find as I can post too. And then later on, Terrarian Games Normal is easy. As a noob, I appreciate it, so I don't feel shame. Haha. <laughs> normal is crazy generous with shields. Arcade Normal starts to limit them, and Expert really becomes managing risk and hoping, hopping onto the oasis of one shield per level. Uh, save 4 has a ton for some reason, and 6 I believe has 2. When suicide bullets show up, and no more shields during boss fights, I don't remember the jump from normal to arcade very well. I managed that pretty quick, but over half of my time spent with the game was in expert mode. Boss patterns change, makes milks more challenging, and the suicide bullets. Ah, and then later on, for the record, I did not get the clear on the high score run. I actually got my expert 1cc on a glitch where I paused the game on a death to reset and decided to play through, and must have timed it just so that my ship respawned without a hitbox or the ability to move on or fire. I'll hopefully post that one day too with my thoughts on scoring versus survival. One piece of advice I can offer now, watching a couple playthroughs. Speed killing bosses go a lot faster if you maintain your charge gauge. It's worth it to hold off the fire button to get any amount of charge back, even tapping the fire button at a nice tempo at low charge. And then uh, later on answering Supergoat's question about the charge meter, I think it's binary. Either your shot is powered or it's not. I'm watching my stage one boss speed kill and the life bar drains at the same rate as the charge meter. If it isn't, isn't on or off, it does look to be different enough to worry about how much charge you have altogether, uh, just keeping something in the tank. The drop off in damage for an uncharged shot is brutal. I keep my meter drained, firing back shot for boss milking so I don't do accidental damage. Yeah, the interesting thing about this is that people who came to this want a more casual approach. And I don't mean in a derogatory or a bad way, but people who expected more of a casual approach seem to got more out of this than people who won't. We're expecting a little bit more of a hardcore approach, and we'll talk a little bit more about this at the end again. But it's interesting to see the different dynamic. Absolutely. So Corkman gives his thoughts. Uh, sorry, Corkman seventy seven gives his thoughts. I see what you mean. Normal difficulty in this game is pretty easy, especially compared with the amount of shields you get. I got the reverse 1cc on my first try. I say reverse 1cc because I continued on the first level learning the buttons and what they do. Then I cleared it without continues. Like rolling a gutter ball in the b bowling in the game, get getting the spare on the next ball. You know, I, we, he, he should coin that term, reverse 1cc. I put one credit in and just keep going backwards. <laughs> in general, it's pretty mid. I stopped playing pretty early in the month. The backgrounds and all the levels seem pretty similar. There only seems to be a few enemy types, and the game seems to throw out the same enemy patterns at you. The music is retro-inspired, but never stands out. One good thing about the game is that you get all the Thunder Force weapons and get to keep them after dying, and the game does have a few sections that make use of or advantages of these weapons. 
The other good thing is that it's easy on normal difficulty for new shmup players. I probably won't come back to this game anytime soon. It's not a bad game, just one where nothing stood out for me. Maybe the developers can spice things up a bit next time. And here we go with the dynamic again. Someone who is very experienced with STGs looking for something that's going to give them a challenge and not finding stuff. So I think this is something that we need to think about when selecting games in the future. But again, we'll start... Uh, <laughs> Talking more about this in just a little bit. Sure. Uh, one more quarter joined in and said, Cold beer and lucky dodges for the win. Played this game when it first released. Was nice to revisit and get slapped around on expert mode. Managed to no mess up to the final boss. Then it kind of went south. Thanks for another excellent game of the month. Synthetron Prime says, I joined and promptly fell off. Stupid life crap. Ugh. I really want to participate, though. Hopefully soon. Well, hopefully everything works out for you in life. I totally understand adulting stuff in life. It's uh, it can take its toll on you. You know, it's uh, definitely the game of life is one heck of a one cc to clear. Indeed. Well, thank you to everyone who uh, shared their thoughts with us and played along. Um, just going over the scores real quickly. Um, uh, expert mode seemed to be where most people spent their time. And so, as mentioned, Spiders had the top score with 2,417,660 points. And that was not a clear. And then I came in second. Uh, in expert mode with 2,144,460 points, and that was a clear. And then one more quarters clear that we just mentioned uh, was 1,960,710 points. And Faux Macho uh, submitted a score for normal mode, and that was 1,948,620 points. Again, a clear. On Caravan Mode, I got the top spot with 441,350 points. That was on the Switch. And at the time I did it, that was enough to get me into the top five on the Switch leaderboard, which was quite nice. Uh, Fomacho, also on Switch, managed this, the aforementioned 438,700 points. And then Corkman77 on PC got 376,500 points. And I guess that sort of takes us back to what we talked about before your uh, your question from before about the differences between PC and Switch. There are a handful of differences. I feel like the scoring threshold is slightly higher on PC. Um, now, of course, the hardcore player base is probably more on PC than Switch. But if you look at the Caravan leaderboard, the top score on PC is something like 530,000 points. Whereas the top score on Switch is, I want to say under 500,000. So I would imagine there are differences there. I, I think the version numbers of the game are different as well. 
between PC and Switch. I don't remember what they are. I forgot to double check that before we recorded. Um, but it does feel like there were some other differences. The one other thing I noticed, uh, and I guess this is the quirk of PC games in general, but the first time I streamed the PC version, uh, I had some weird issues with capturing the sound. I could not get the sound to capture properly. So I ended up having to play the game without headphones and just kind of get the sound incidentally from the microphone. Not ideal, but you know, it works in a pinch. So I ended up playing most of the rest of the month on Switch. Well then later when I went back to it on PC for my last stream and was messing around with Caravan on PC, then it captured fine. <laughs> so I don't know, but yeah, I, I do feel like there are some very subtle differences between Switch and PC. Just remind me that we should avoid having to do PC stuff for a while to give you a break. No, it's fine. It's just uh, <clears throat> one of those weird quirks of since I'm doing it all on one PC, I'm not playing on one PC and then capturing on another. It's just one of the things that you're going to run into. Yeah. May, you know, maybe you need a, a, a good luck cat or something like a chonks. <laughs> that seems to work for DJ Psycho. Well, I've got the uh, I've got the chihuahuas, but I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would call them luck. <laughs> <laughs> They're more of a distraction most of the time. Oh, but they do make your stream so entertaining. They do. All right, so what are your thoughts on Terraflame? Yeah, so I guess circling back to the question of the month about a shooting game that that uh, I was excited that you were excited about but left you unfulfilled. I want to I want to make sure and and give the disclaimer that in no way do I think Terra Flame is a bad game. I don't. I think it's a good game. When I say I was unfulfilled, I think as you kind of alluded to or or pointed out earlier, I think we're at a point in the Shmup Club where I feel like I want a little bit more challenge out of the games. I get frustrated when the games uh, beat me senseless, but I have come to enjoy the the challenge of getting over that next hill, so to speak. I'm starting to reach that uh, that zenith, if you will, where I want to feel that sense of accomplishment. Um, now, I had fun the first time I played through it and blew through on normal um, because it's a, you know, it's an homage to Thunder Force and I'm always going to enjoy that at some level. Uh, and I had fun with it on hard when I saw, okay, this is a bump in difficulty, not majorly, but enough to be noticeable. Um, and even though I kind of grumbled and complained about it, uh... I do feel like expert mode was really where where I had the most fun. You know, it doesn't always seem that way in the heat of the moment when you're watching me get frustrated on stream on stream, but I am actually enjoying myself even if I'm uh, you know, even if I'm if I'm grumbling and and uh, yelling at the game, oh, what hit me? You know, stuff like that. 
um, that that's where I am having the most fun because I'm I'm more engaged with it. Now, having said that, I don't need I don't need a game. I don't need the game every month to slap me around until I say, thank you, sir. May I have another? It is nice to occasionally play a game that I can easily 1cc or 1cc without too much effort and be able to scratch that one off the list and say, yep, I beat that game. But having come off a more challenging and engaging game like KaiCon from the previous month, it does feel like a little bit of a letdown. Sort of like, you know, last month we played a game that felt like, uh, like double fisting, uh, jolt colas and, you know, drinking them all at once and going, and then this month, well, it's a flat diet Coke, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different flavor profile. And sometimes that's okay too. And, and that's one of the things that I enjoy about going from month to month, game to game. You're going to get a different experience every month. Some months, it's going to be all adrenaline. Other months, it's going to be, hmm, what do I need to do here to make sure that I can get through this level? And it's much more strategic. And then some months like this, we're going to cruise along and, and be much more, um, yeah, this is good. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying this, even if I'm not as engaged, I'm still, I'm still enjoying the game or I'm still getting something out of it. So when I say that I reached the end of the month unfulfilled, it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the game or that I didn't have fun with it or that I think it's not a good game, but I feel like maybe it's a game where there's some missed opportunities, there's some unfulfilled potential, and like the developer still has room to grow before we truly get a game that plays to the strengths that the developer shows, but where you get a real payoff from it. I think the caravan mode it leans in that direction, and certainly the expert mode gives you much more of what I'm looking for in this kind of a game. Um, but I think I would have preferred less of a revenge bullet of approach and more just make the enemies a little bit more dangerous and maybe change it up in the expert mode so that the routing isn't exactly the same or that maybe you get more enemies. Um, that way the, the balance feels a little bit better or the jump from one difficulty to the next um, feels less artificial and more, okay, this is legit how, how you know, you're, you're going from this difficulty to this difficulty and there's more going on here. So I can see why the challenge is greater and how I have to change my play style or adjust what I'm doing rather than just, oh, revengeable, let's get out of the way. Um, 
So at the end of the day, this is a solid game that I had fun with. Um, and I feel accomplished enough having achieved the expert one CC and getting into the top five caravan leaderboard on the switch and the top 20 leaderboard on the steam version. I feel like I've played this game as much as I need to play it and I can move on. A lot of games that we play during the course of the month, I feel like I want to keep playing sometimes, or I'm going to go back to this at some point. And of course, as I capture footage to use in uh, the video podcast recordings, when I eventually get back to that, I will go back to all these games at some point. But this is one where I almost feel like now that it's fresh in my mind is when I should maybe go and capture all the footage for it that I can use later because I don't feel a need to come back to this game later. And that's one of the things that I think is maybe a, a, a bit of a letdown that the game doesn't have enough to keep pulling me back. And that is a, a minor disappointment to me, but I still felt like it was worth playing. It was a good, uh, I guess, break from the mo much more manic pace of Kaikon and sort of eases me into the current game that we're playing for October. What about you? Me? Uh, you know, <laughs> for a second there in your, in your talk there, I thought you were going to say, do you even shmup, bro? But it... it uh, <laughs> I, I think that what we have here is we have... In my opinion, we have a shmup that is akin to a car. This car is going to get you to work, and it's going to get you to the grocery store, and it's going to get you. Like I said, and you're you're going to use it for what it is, and you're going to be fine. But what what people, if you're expecting a you know a Lamborghini or, or something really sexy or, or a, I said a Porsche or something on there, you're not going to get that. And I I think that's where the the disconnect lies in you know, when people, when expectations aren't met, that's when you get disappointment, you get anger, else have you. And as a car or as a shmup, yes, you can have a fun time with this game. And I had a fun time with this game. Is it going to be something you're going to spend hours with? No. But are you, you going to have a good time with what you played? Yes. Would I be going back to this? No, probably not for a very long time. I, If I'm going to play something, I want to play something that's going to give me those challenges, those hills to overcome. And for something like that, I would probably be playing more Kaikon or would play a cave shmup like DOJ or you know, SGDOJ or Ketsui or if I'm feeling a bit masochistic, Grega. But it's it's made to do one. Uh, it's a shmup that uh, does a good job of, of what it is, but there's not anything more to it, right? My if if I'm dry driving a car around, I expect it to do certain things, and and that's it. But it, it's not. 
it's not going to I'm not going to put on the Autobahn I'm not going to go drag racing I'm not it's not going to be uh, if I'm driving a, a Ford Focus it's not going to be in Fast Fast and the Furious 16 right huh. but it doesn't mean I can't have fun driving it around and I I think this is where this this game falls in falls into it's good but it doesn't do enough to differentiate itself either way and that's why it makes it hard to classify and why we have mixed emotions and mixed expectations on this if if it had been really bad everyone would go oh yeah this game's terrible but uh I don't know what it is but it's inherent to men where you ever got this guy's like Dude, this smells terrible. You got to smell this. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I sort of think that there is so, some way, something along the same way that it is inherent with with men too, where it's like, man, this game is absolutely horrible. This is the worst of Kasoge. You got to play this. You know, it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's just ingrained. If it was that way, that's one thing. Or it could be, hey, this game is excellent. Everybody should play. That's easy. Right, it's easier to either give it a very bad review or give it a, a, a very good review. And when it's something that's in the middle, it, it can become complicated and messy. And that's what we have here. It's a, a good game, and if you are looking for something that you're you're going to just play around and have fun with, you know, and you or you're not looking for a huge amount of challenge, this is going to be perfect. If you're looking for something that's going to give you all those challenges and make you feel like you're doing progression and overcoming challenges, then you should look elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a good summation. All right. Well, what do we got coming up next? Well, speaking of looking elsewhere, we have... Next month, we are going to go after all the sweets. And I have to tell you, I couldn't think of what was inside these willows and until I really sat down and thought about it. I said, the reason, the reason why Cotton is going after these willows has to be the same reason that they took the coke out of, uh, cocaine out of coke, right? <laughs> if you put Tex Mexium in candy, you end up with willows. And you saw what it did to Cotton. I mean, it's just a tragic story. So kid, make sure this Halloween, parents, check your kids' candy. Make sure there's no Tex-Mexium in it. Yes. So next month, we are playing Cotton Reboot. Or actually, this month, we're playing Cotton Reboot. And I am happy for this one. This one is one that is enjoyable. So I'm going to play. The only thing I can't quite determine is, do we technically then count the original cotton on this, like the TurboGrafx-16 and the and the arcade? Or are we just strictly saying to the cotton reboot? I, I think I think we'll just we'll just look at the reboot and then maybe uh, you know maybe in a couple of years we'll cover the original at some point, sort of look back and compare. Okay, and then in November we're channeling our inner Mark MSX as we play Damaco Unlimited Three. Oh yes. I'm looking forward to this one. I really like Damaku Unlimited 3. And then in December, we hip, head back to the well to play Deep Space Waifu. No. 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 Well, you're, you're looking for a game that people will play for five minutes and then be done, right? A quick game, so Deep Space Waifu fits. 
<laughs> no, but I do have something special planned for December. Uh, so definitely be uh, be watching out for that. Sounds good to me. So I also like to thank Atrem for the logo and for continuing on with his series. I'm really happy that he's doing that. So everyone go take a look at Bullet Heaven. Like to take a speak of taking a look at uh, Boss Pro Shmups, don't forget to take a look at the shirts. Think like to thank Kogosu for the intro and outro music. Everyone from place from press playcast and the collector cast. And also like to thank Metafro for keeping things interesting with his his streams, his rants, his trials and tribulations and all the entertainment. Thank you. Alright, anything else that we need to mention before we close up shop? Yes, I can't believe I made it here without any caffeine. Well, I can't believe it's not butter. (laughs) Uh, And with that, we will say thank you for listening, and we will catch you again next month. Thank you.